0: Welcome to Killer Narratives, the podcast where horror stories haunt you in real life. I'm your host Richard Palmer, and I'm excited to take you on a journey into the darkest corners of the mind. Thank you for joining us today for our very first episode. Making this podcast has long been a dream of mine that I've put off for far too long. If you end up enjoying today's episode, please remember to like, follow, share, and review it so that others can hopefully find it as well. You can find much more information on our website at killernarratives.com. There, you can find links to all our social media accounts, our merch shop, as well as an option to donate to the podcast to help keep it going and reach new audiences. Getting a new podcast off the ground is very difficult, so any support you provide is greatly appreciated. Do you have any scary stories you've written and would like to share with the world, please email me at richard at killernarratives.com. You can also email me if you have questions or comments about the podcast. Perhaps if there are enough questions by the end of season one, I will do a little question and answer session. If you want to get extra spooky, I suggest turning off your lights, lighting a candle, and laying in bed while you listen. Now let's get into our very first story. The Murders at the Sun Valley Resort. Please note that this episode is graphic and not appropriate for children. In 1981, Sun Valley, Idaho was a small resort town in central Idaho with a population of just 545 people. The town was known for its cabins and vacation homes near the Pioneer Mountains which attracted many visitors looking to escape city life. However, on the night of July 19, 1981, Sun Valley became the site of a brutal and unsolved quadruple homicide. Four people were murdered in Cabin 15 at the Sun Valley Resort, including Samantha Boone, her son Jim, his friend Daniel, and Samantha's daughter Lori. The case remains unsolved to this day, leaving many questions unanswered, And the small community in shock. Here's a little more information about each victim. Samantha Boone, a 36-year-old mother of five who had recently separated from her husband Jonathan Boone, she moved to Sun Valley, Idaho from Connecticut with her five children to start a new life. Samantha was known to be a friendly and outgoing person who loved spending time with her family and friends. Jim Boone was Samantha's oldest son, aged 15 at the time of the murders. He was a high school student who enjoyed playing sports and spending time outdoors. Jim was close with his mother and siblings and was known to be protective of his family. Daniel Winters was a 17-year-old friend of Jim Boone, who had come to visit the family at their cabin in Sun Valley. Daniel was originally from Tennessee and had moved to Idaho to work on a construction crew. He was described, as a friendly and outgoing person who loved to play practical jokes. Lori Boone was Samantha's youngest daughter, aged 12, at the time of the murders. She was known to be artistic and creative and loved to draw and paint. Lori was also known to be a bit of a tomboy who enjoyed playing sports with her brothers. There were also three survivors of the attack, two of Samantha's younger sons, Ryan and George, as well as their friend, Brian Smiley. On July 19, 1981, Samantha and Laurie Boone left the Sun Valley Resort to go to a friend's birthday party. After they returned from the party, they went to sleep. Later that night, an unknown assailant or assailants entered the cabin and brutally attacked the Boone family and a family friend who was staying with them. The next morning around 7 a.m. on July 20, 1981, Shelley Boone, Samantha's daughter and sister to Jim and Ryan, returned to the cabin after spending the night at the Seller family's home, which was right next door. Shelley discovered the gruesome scene and ran to a neighbor's house to call the police. The authorities arrived at the scene shortly after 8 a.m. Neither Shelley nor the family reported hearing any strange sounds during the night. The investigation involved multiple law enforcement agencies, including the Sheriff's Office, the Idaho Department of Justice, and the FBI. Samantha was discovered lying on her side near the living room sofa, nude from the waist down and gagged with a blue bandana and her own underwear, which had been secured with tape. She had been stabbed in the chest, her throat was stabbed horizontally, the wound going through her larynx and nicking her spine and on the side of her head was an imprint matching the butt of a BB gun. Jim's throat was slashed. Daniel had multiple head injuries and had been manually strangled to death. Jim and Daniel suffered blunt force trauma to their heads, caused by a hammer or hammers. Autopsies determined that Samantha and Jim died from their knife wounds and blunt force trauma, and Daniel died by asphyxiation. Fourth victim, Lori Boone, was missing from the scene of the crime. Initially the FBI suspected that she had been abducted, but her skull and several other bones were found three years later by a mushroom forager near Obsidian, Idaho, which is about 50 miles from Sun Valley. Shortly after announcing the discovery, the sheriff's office received an anonymous call that identified the remains as belonging to Lori, but the call was not documented in the case. A recording of this call was found at the bottom of an evidence box at some point after 2013, by a deputy who was assigned the case. Near the remains detectives also discovered a blue nylon jacket, a blanket, a pair of jeans with a missing back pocket, and an empty medical tape dispenser. There were also several other notable items found at the crime scene, including a bloody hammer, a butcher knife, a blue nylon cord, a bent steak knife, a bent table knife, a blood-stained towel, a piece of yellow rope, a pair of sunglasses, and a single black leather glove. The house's telephone had been taken off the hook and the cord cut from the outlet, and the drapes were closed. There was also a hastily written bloody note taped at the back of the bathroom door that said, I'll come back for you. Presence of these items suggests that the murders were premeditated and that the attackers brought their own tools. It is also worth noting, that there were no signs of forced entry into cabin 15, indicating that the attackers may have been known to the victims or that the victims let the attackers in willingly. Using all the evidence available, several suspects were identified. Mervyn Smiley was a friend of the victims and was present at the cabin on the night of the murders. He was actually a suspect in the case due to the fact that he was seen with a hammer that was similar to the one used in the murders. He claimed that the claw hammer had inexplicably gone missing from his home. The county sheriff later stated that Mervyn had provided endless clues in the case that seemed to throw the suspicion away from him. However, he was never charged and eventually moved to Washington. Mary Smiley was the ex-wife of Mervyn Smiley and was also present at the cabin on the night of the murders. She was considered a suspect due to her possible involvement in a drug trafficking ring. But there was not enough evidence to charge her with anything. Beau was another friend of the victims and was present at the cabin on the night of the murders. He was considered a suspect due to his criminal record and violent tendencies. However, he also was never charged and moved to Canada. Samantha Boone's ex-husband had a history of domestic violence. However, there was no evidence to suggest that he was involved in the murders. Brian gave conflicting stories of the evening, including that he had dreamed details of the murders, though he later claimed to have actually witnessed them. In his later account of events told under hypnosis, he claimed to have awoken to sounds coming from the living room while asleep in the bedroom with Ryan and George. Investigating these sounds, he saw Samantha with two men, one with a mustache and short hair, the other clean-shaven with long hair. Both wore glasses. According to Brian, Jim and Daniel then entered the home and began heatedly arguing with the men. Fight ensued, after which Laurie entered the room and was taken out of the cabin's back door by one of the men. Based on Brian's descriptions, composite sketches of the two unknown men were produced by Henry Caples, a man with no artistic ability and no training in forensic sketching. It was never explained why. With access to the justice departments and the FBI's top forensic artists, law enforcement chose to use an amateur who sometimes volunteered to help local police. In press releases accompanying the sketches, the suspects were described as being in their late 20s to early 30s. One stood between 5 feet 11 inches to 6 feet 2 inches tall, with dark blonde hair, and the other between 5 feet 6 inches and 5 feet 10 inches with black greased hair. Both wore gold-framed sunglasses. Rumors regarding the crimes being ritualistic or motivated by drug trafficking were dismissed by the sheriff, who stated in the week following the murders that no drug, paraphernalia, or illegal drugs were found in the home. Charlotte Moffin, a family acquaintance, later told detectives that Daniel Winters had recently stolen an unknown quantity of LSD from local drug dealers, though she was unable to provide proof of this claim. About 4,000 man-hours were spent working the case, which the sheriff described as frustrating. Cabin in which the murders occurred was demolished in 2004. Later in 2008 Mary Smiley claimed that she suspected her husband Mervyn and his friend Beau were responsible for the murders. Mary claimed that on the evening of july nineteenth, nineteen eighty-one, she had left Mervin and Beau at a local bar around eleven PM and returned home to go to sleep. Around two AM on july twentieth, she stated she awoke to find the two burning an unknown item in the wood stove. Additionally, she alleged that Mervin hated Jimmy Boone with a passion. However, the sheriff said he had personally interviewed Mervin and that he had passed a polygraph examination. According to a 2016 article published by the Idaho Times, Mervyn had left Sun Valley and driven to Las Vegas, Nevada, shortly after the murders. From there, he sent a letter to Mary reflecting on personal struggles in their marriage, which he concluded with, I've paid the price of your love. It only cost four people their lives. In a 2016 interview, the sheriff stated, that the letter was overlooked in the initial investigation and never admitted as evidence. He later criticized the quality of the initial investigation, saying, You could take someone just coming out of the academy and they'd have done a better job. A counselor whom Mervyn regularly visited also alleged that he had admitted to the murders of Samantha and Lori, but claimed, I didn't have anything to do with the boys. He allegedly told the counselor, that Lori was killed to prevent her from identifying him, as she had witnessed the whole thing. Mervyn Smiley died of cancer in Seattle, Washington, in June 2002. Bo, who allegedly had ties to organized crime in New York City, died there in 1989. On March 17, 2015, a hammer matching the description of the hammer Mervyn claimed to have lost, was discovered in a local pond and taken into evidence by a special investigator. sheriff, who was 16 years old at the time of the murders and knew the Boone family personally stated, The location it was found, it would have been intentionally put there. It would not have been accidentally misplaced. Sheriff also stated that at that time, six potential suspects were being examined. In July 2018, The sheriff stated that DNA evidence recovered from a piece of tape at the crime scene matched that of a known living suspect, but no other details have been revealed since then. Thank you so much for joining me today for the very first episode of Killer Narratives. Remember to like, follow, and share the podcast if you enjoyed it. You can also visit our website at killernarratives.com for more information.